All right, well, it is our habit uh, on these fifth Sundays, as Pastor Rick already said, we do a couple of different things, but one of the things that we do is we take a break from our current sermon series and we dive into the book of Psalms. And so every time we have one of these bonus Sundays, we just go to the book of Psalms and we're going through them in order. So we'll get done with them in like 50 years, who knows, um, but we're just working our way through. And this morning, we find ourselves at Psalms chapter 9. And so let's, before we dive into it, let's make sure we have a chance uh, to read it together. And better yet, we're going to listen to it read to us in this video. So please watch this. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne, giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their names forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice. And he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the people with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord, who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O oh, you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made. In the net that they hid, their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Hopefully that had gave you a chance to kind of understand what's going on in this chapter in the book of Psalms. And like this, or like many other Psalms, this is written by David. And as David is writing this Psalm, what, he's really doing one main thing. He's looking at how God has worked in his life. And you might have saw it at the beginning. He says, I recount your wonderful deeds, right? He's looking at his life and saying, God, I've seen the way that you've worked, and he kind of does it in two ways. Like at first, he starts the psalm by looking at the past. And he looks at his past life and says, man, God, you have been so faithful to me. You've worked in my life in so many ways. And he's just thanking and praising God for everything that God has done up until that point in his life. 
But then about midway through the psalm, he kind of turns his attention to the future. And he starts looking to the future and he starts to pray and ask God, continue to be faithful, continue to work, continue doing amazing things in my life. And so he's looking ahead. So he's kind of looking back and he's looking ahead. And that's a good thing we should probably be doing as well. This is a spiritual, healthy thing to be doing, to be looking back, to look at how God has been faithful to you, to look at how God has worked in your life, and to never cease to say thank you to him for that. But we also got to be people like David who look ahead, and we got to seek God for the future and say, God, just like you've worked in the past, I want to see you work the same way in the future. And so I want to kind of go through those together in our time. And so let's start by doing the first thing that David does in this psalm, and that's looking back. And so the first thing we need to consider is this, is that we should thank God for his past work in our lives. That we should thank God for his past work in our lives. So one of the things that we do as parents, if you're a parent, you know this, that one of the things you want to get your kids to do early on is to say what to people? Thank you, right? A lot of different things, but thank you, right? Like when, like when someone does something for them or someone gets them something, like it's a good thing for our kids to learn how to say thank you. And we want them to get in that habit, right? Like I have a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, and so we're constantly saying, hey, say thank you to that person or say thank you to mommy or daddy. And so we want them to get in that habit of saying thank you. It is a good thing, a good way for them to show gratitude and appreciation. <clears throat> now, in the same way, we as believers in Jesus should be doing the same thing, that we should be people who are constantly saying thank you to God, constantly showing our gratitude to him. Why? Because he is always working in your life, right? We may not always see it. We may not always understand it or be aware of it, but God has never ceased to stop working in your life, and he is always doing something incredible in your life. And that means you should always consistently be saying thank you, God, thank you, thank you. Like, if we want our kids to do that, how much more should we be people as God's kids should be saying to him over and over, thank you, God, thank you, thank you for working in my life. Now, here's the cool thing, is when David does this in this first part of the psalm, he gives us some tips. Because as he is looking back and he is saying, God, thank you for working in my life, thank you for being faithful, he does two things that are really important that I think we should be doing as well. And the first one is this is that when we thank God for his past work in our lives, we should do it with our whole hearts. We should thank him with our whole hearts. You might have caught this in the first verse in the psalm, but David says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Not with some of my heart, not with half of my heart, not like when I'm feeling like I want to. He says, God, I give you thanks with my whole heart. All right, and so what David is saying is, hey, God, I'm not going to give you a golf clap, all right? We all know what a golf clap is, you know, like a nice little confined, like, yeah, it's not too loud, right? It's not too crazy. It's kind of this little confined, half-hearted clap. And David says, God, I am not going to give you a golf clap for how you worked in my life. I'm going to give you my whole heart. I'm going to give you thanks, and it's going to be full of emotion. It is going to be all of me. I'm going all in when I give you thanks. You deserve that type of thanks. You deserve that type of of praise. So let me give you an example of that because we all give our whole hearts to, to praise certain things. We rejoice things, rejoice over things with our whole heart all the time. And so let me give you an example of one of the times that I was in a situation uh, where I expressed praise with my whole heart and everyone else in the room did as well. 
And it was back in 2016, so uh, 2016 it was during the NBA Finals between the Warriors and the Cavs, and it was Game 7, all right? Game 7, big series, big game, and so I was headed over to Chicago on a mission trip with some high schoolers during that time, and I remember the whole ride there, kids were like, we're going to miss the game to go on a mission trip, this sucks, and I'm like, we're here to serve Jesus, but deep down I'm thinking, it does suck, man. So we, we get to the mission trail, we get to over to Chicago, and, and we go in, we unpack and stuff, and the guys had a big room, the girls had another room, we are staying at a church that was hosting us, and I remember the guys' room had a giant flat screen TV, God provides, and it had cable. So, so after uh, we did our mission trip stuff, right, like we took it serious, we did all that, we did have a few minutes uh, after that was over, we had some free time, and the game was just ending, so we, we ran to the room, Turned on the TV, got to watch the last couple of minutes, which was the greatest couple of minutes in a basketball game ever, right? And I remember when that game ended, and it, you know, in that moment when we all knew Cleveland was finally champions once again after the curse, LeBron finally delivered, that room went nuts. I mean, it was a room full of high school boys weeping, crying, I mean, screaming. There were adult men, myself included, that were doing the same thing. And all week on that mission trip, it was like, we're the champs. And then like on the other side of the work site, we're the champs. Just everyone is going nuts all week over this win. And I tell you that because it's a silly example to illustrate that we go all in for a lot of things. We show our whole hearts when we rejoice over a lot of things that are a lot less important uh, than God. And so David is saying, hey, when I give thanks to God, when I praise him for his faithfulness in the past, you better believe I'm not giving him a golf clap. You better believe I'm not giving him one day a year called Thanksgiving, right, or one hour on a Sunday morning every week. No, I'm giving him my whole heart, and we need to be people who are going all in. And when we praise and thank God for the way he's worked in our lives, we need to go all in with our whole hearts. So David says, when we thank God, we do it with our whole hearts, But David also says, when we thank God for the way that he's worked in our lives up until now, we do it by giving him all the credit. We do it by giving him all of the credit. And in verses 4 and 5, you might have caught this in the video, but there's a part where as David is looking in the past, he uses the phrase or the word you over and over. He says, God, you did this, you did this, you did this, you, you, you. And what is he doing? He is giving credit to whom credit's due because he realizes when he looks at his life and he looks at what God has done, he realizes he cannot take any of the credit, that it is all God, that God was the one who did it all. And if it wasn't for God doing it, he wouldn't be where he was today or where he was at that point. And so he's giving God all the credit. He says, God, you did this, you did this. He's not taking any of the credit for himself. And one of the things that I love about our church, one of the things I love about working for our church uh, is we have a great staff team. I'm a part of a great staff team here, and God's done a great job of giving us just a cool culture, a great culture as a staff. And one of the things that our staff team does really well is we, we try to do our best to give credit to whom credit's due. And so if there's a big event or something happens in the church that goes really well, we want to give credit to that staff person that was behind that event and say, hey, great job, and we want to praise you. And and so many times in our staff, there will be someone who gets credit, and maybe there's like other staff members that were a part of it that we don't necessarily see, and maybe they did a lot of the work. That staff person is so quick to give that other person credit. And we're a team that just likes to give credit to whom credit is due. 
And in the same way, we as followers of Jesus, we need to be like that when it comes to God, that we quickly give credit to the one credit's due, and that is God. When you look at your life up until now and you see the way that God has worked, you better believe it was all God. It wasn't you. And you got to give him the credit for it. And so that's the first thing that David's doing in this psalm. He is looking back. He's looking at God's past work, and he is saying thank you. He's saying, God, thank you for working. I praise you for working in my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But then David turns his attention, as I said before, to the future. Because he realizes not only has God worked in the past, but he also knows that God will continue to work in the future. And he wants to pray to that end. And so we need to follow that example as well. We should pray for God's future work in our lives. Not only should we thank him for his past work, we should also pray for his future work. And what's interesting in this part of the psalm, when David turns his attention to the future, he gives us a little peek into the motivation of why he wants God to continue working. He gives us a little peek into his heart of why he wants to see God work in the future. Let me remind you what David says in verses 13 and 14. He says, be gracious to me, O Lord, see my affliction from those who hate me, O you who lift me up from the gates of death. So that's his prayer, David saying, hey, God, I want you as we go in the future to continue to protect me, continue to be faithful to me, continue to work. That's his prayer. But then he gives the reason why. He says, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion, I may rejoice in your salvation. What David is doing here is he's saying, God, I want you to continue to work in my life. I'm praying for that. But the reason I want you to work in my life is not just so that my life can get better and be more comfortable. I want you to work in my life so that I can be a better worshiper of you. So I can praise you more and glorify you more and worship you more and thank you more. Right? He doesn't want God just to make his life better so he can be more safe and and be a better king in the future. No, he's like, I want you to work in the future so that I can have more things to praise you for and more things to give you credit for and more things to worship you for. And that should be our desire as well. That so often when we pray for the future, we pray for things like, God, keep, keep me safe from the virus, right? Like, I don't want to get sick. Keep me safe. Or keep my kids safe. Or we start to pray for, oh, God, help me get that promotion at work so I can get more money and kind of climb up that corporate ladder. Or you pray that your kids will go to college one day and they'll get that job and they'll get this good life and they'll have a nice American dream. And you pray for all these things. And those aren't necessarily bad, but those are not the things we should necessarily be praying for. Because David says, I pray for you to move, God, in the future, not so that my life can get better and more comfortable. I pray and ask that you would move so that I can be a better worshiper of you in the future. So I can love you more, serve you more, worship you more, God, I want you to move so there's more things I can say thank you for as I move forward in my life. And so that needs to be our motivation, that we're people who are not only praying for safety and protection and all these things that we're praying, God, you do whatever you want to, just like we sang earlier. You do whatever you want to do, and whatever you do in the future, I'm going to give you praise for it, and I'm going to worship you for it. And that's our motivation for wanting God to move and work in our future. And so we see that David spends time looking at the past. He says, thank you, God, for everything you've done. And then he moves to the future, and he says, God, I want to continue to see you work. I want you to continue working in my life. And we should be doing that as well, thanking God for the past, praying for the future. 
And I want to kind of wrap up our time. We're going to worship a little more through some more songs here in a minute. But I want to end with this. Because I think we're in a time right now that we really, really need to do what David did in this psalm. Like we should probably always do it. But I think we're in a time right now where this is needed so much. Because so many of us, if we're honest, so many of us are freaked out about the future. Right? So many of us are stressed out about what's happening tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. Like we're worried about what, what's this virus going to do? Is this vaccine going to work? And is, is the Buckeyes ever playing a football game again? Or uh, what's work look like for me? What in the world does school look like for my kids? And we're so stressed out and we're so worried and we're just stuck here. And we're stuck in this rut of worry and stress and anxiety and we shouldn't be there. And so I think what David does in this psalm is good for us to do that we should start by looking in the past, that we should look in the past. And if you can, move all the junk of 2020 out of your vision and just look at how God has been faithful and look at how God has worked in your life. told you I was going to cry at some point, but, um, but look at how God has worked. I mean, go all the way back to before you were even one of his kids and you were in rebellion running from him and he pursued you and loved you and brought you into a relationship with himself. Look at that. And look at the way he's grown your faith and the way he's worked in your life and in your family and all of that. And say, thank you. In the middle of the chaos of what's going on in our world, look at the past and say, God, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for working. But don't stop there. Turn to the future. And as uncertain as the future is, as as much as the future might make you stress and freak out, look to the future and pray in confidence and say, God, just like you've been faithful in the past, just like you've moved in the past, God, move and be faithful in the future. And pray that with confidence. Because here's the thing. Looking at God's past faithfulness is what's going to fuel your faith in his future faithfulness. Right? When you look and consider the way that God has been faithful in your life up until now, you can then turn to your future and look into the future with confidence and faith and know that God is going to be faithful in the future. And so that should be our prayer. As a church, I want us to be that kind of church, that we constantly say thank you. Thank you, God, for everything you've done. But we're also a church that looks to the future and say, God, just like you've been faithful in the past, God, I want you to be faithful in the future. And we seek that, and we pray that in boldness and in confidence. And even now, we're going to get a chance to do that. We're going to sing a couple of songs that's going to help us do exactly what David did in the psalm. Look back, but also look forward. So with that in mind, let me pray and ask God to help us do just that. Father God, we do just ask that you would help us in this moment, even over the next few minutes as we sing, but even as we leave this place, God, that we would not forget your faithfulness. God, that we would not cease to say thank you for working in our lives. God, that we would not hold back our praise and God praise you with some half-hearted golf clap. God, that we would praise you with our whole hearts. God, that we would praise you and say thank you by giving you all the credit. So God, help us to do that now. But God, also help us to look in the future. And God, I know there's people in this room right now that they're worried about the future. God, they don't know what's coming. And God, I pray that we would look at your past faithfulness and then turn to the future. And that would fuel us and give us faith to look into the future and say, God, we want you to move. We believe you're going to move. And we pray that with courage and confidence and faith in you. God, help us to do that now, even as we sing these songs to you. We love you. In Christ's name, amen.